You know, we all have them. Some of us have stress issues. Some of us have 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 bodily issues that cause us to struggle. Some of us are experiencing things. Some of us are experiencing things that guess what? They're real for us. They're real struggles. They're real struggles. Father, preach. And let the congregation listen. In Jesus' name, amen. The struggle is real. In Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 38. I want you to understand, you know, I could go to Ephesians chapter 6 and tell you what we battle not against and all these things. But I want you to understand, every last one of you, every last one of you, saved, whether you're saved or not, whether you're lost or saved, doesn't matter. You're under spiritual attack. Whether you recognize it or not is another story. But you are under spiritual attack. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You, there's not a gap. You are under spiritual attack. And I want you to, and sometimes you'll get attacked in your body. Sometimes you'll get attacked in your heart. Sometimes you'll get attacked in your mind. Sometimes you'll get attacked in your mouth. <laughs> really, I say that. And not being, meaning it loosely. We'll, we'll, sometimes the attack causes us to say and do things that we shouldn't. Verse 38 reads, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Sins is pro proclaimed to you. And through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. We always, sometimes y'all, we don't see how much of a prison we're in. We've been singing over the past few weeks. We sing a song. We do the children's minute. We take our tithes and offerings. We sing two more songs. Brother David gets up and preaches, and we close. That's been our regimen for the past two and a half months. It's been a regimen. Not saying the Spirit of God hasn't been here, y'all. The Spirit of God has been here. Last week, the Spirit of God was in this place, was it not? Praise God for testimonies. Praise God for people. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is we're in danger of falling back into the law of Moses if we're not careful. And that's our real struggle. Our real struggle is not, it's not about who's picking on you, who's calling you names, who doesn't like the way your hair looks. It's not our struggle, is it? You could, not, not for me at all, right. I mean, to be honest with you, I could care, I, I, is it I couldn't care less or I could care less? I could care less, I couldn't. I could not care less. Thank you for correcting me in front of 300 people. I could not care less what y'all thought about what I wear or anything. And y'all don't care about what I wear. I mean, if I stood up here in a polka dot suit, you would embrace it. You'd have a comment to say, but you'd embrace it. But no matter how we want to set up our, our, our lives, no matter how much we want to put 
a program in place. It, it, it can't replace what Jesus did. And that's our struggle. Remembering what Jesus did. Remembering what God poured out in our lives. Remembering how God and his infinite love for us. And when I say infinite, that means we, we can never catch up to God in love. How he did what he did. So that we could endure the struggle that is real. That we could overcome the struggle that is real. That we won't have to come succumb to the struggle that is real. So I'm going to read verse 39 again. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. One of the hardest things we have to learn, y'all, is that everything we've learned in our past, everything we've been taught. You know, think about it. We've been going to church for a long time, haven't we? And we've learned how church should be or how we think it should be. And I know this may not be a new message, but listen carefully. We've learned so many things about what we think church should encompass, what it should involve, how it should look, all of these different things. And then when you really get into the word of God and the spirit opens up your eyes to the truth of his words, you find out not that you were intentionally led wrong or anything like that, but that it's not what you thought it was. It's more than that. This, this opportunity to walk in these doors and sit in these pews. You know, think about what you're doing, y'all. Every week, you come into this church expecting to be challenged by me. Some of, some of it comes across hard, doesn't it? Majority of it comes across hard. I would probably venture to say that, guess what? Every one of you out there have been stung by the word of God, haven't you? And yet you continue to come week after week, don't you? Because you do need it. Because guess what? Saturday through Saturday, your struggle is real. Even Sunday becomes a struggle, doesn't it? And in verse 40, the scripture reads, Therefore take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Now verse 41 is beautiful. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel, and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. I can stand here and tell you all day long. Now, I'm not saying you're scoffers, but there's scoffers out there. There's people driving by, shaking their heads as they see this parking lot full of cars. They're worshiping someone who don't even exist. Why am I going to waste my time up on that hill with a bunch of hypocrites? God didn't do what he said he did. And even those that say, there is no God. But God says, behold, you scoffers and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. So I can sit down and I can tell you all day long how God saved my wretched soul. I can tell someone else, and you know there's going to be people that are going to go, that really didn't happen. There was no truth in that. Prove to me that it happened. The only proof I have is standing right here in front of you. That 
I was once lost. I was once blind. I was once dead in my trespasses and sins. But now I see. Not only do I see the error of my ways, not only do I see the, 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 what, what led me down this dark path, but what I see is the power of God and the love that he shows. And I believe in that power. I believe in what he did to change me and my wretched existence. Amen. Praise God. And I, it's hard to describe, isn't it? So all, all I can tell you is you just got to believe it. Brad, I just got to believe what happened to you. I just got to. You can't, can't. You ever had that? Miss Kim stopped me just uh, last week and said, I have a hard time. And it's not that she doesn't love Jesus. She loves him. But her love for him is so great. There's words that can't compare or even explain who he is. And so inadvertently, Kim, you helped with this sermon this week because you just have to put all the weight into the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name better or greater. God could only describe himself as I am. That's all he could do. I am. I'm everything. And in your real struggle, in everything that you're going through, in everything that you're experiencing, just remember, I am. I'm Jesus. I'm the one. I'm the savior of the, savior of the world. And so all of those that are going to scoff and turn their eyes and turn their backs and, and, and reject God, and they're going to do it. There's a point coming in their lives where they're never going to believe it, even though you try to explain it to them. But that doesn't take away the opportunity to explain. That doesn't take away the opportunity to preach and teach and come day in, day out, even though Brother David is going to say something that might sting. And my prayer is that it will. Even though Brother David is going to talk about our favorite things, he's going to talk about our football He's going to talk about our cars and our houses and our jobs and all of these other things. But it's the hard things that you have to hear that make you better and push you forward and allow you to continue to succeed in the struggle that you're in. Some of us struggle to pray. Some of us struggle to read the word of God, some of us struggle even when it comes to singing praises to God. I like to do something when I'm driving. I like to listen to driving music. Y'all know what driving music is? Uh, it's something fast. That's right. It's something that's going to get you into the groove of what you're doing. Yeah, and there you go. Look, at that. look I didn't even have to do it. Everybody's like, yeah, I got that. When it got soulful now, you know, I'm sitting in the car with my sunglasses on at a traffic light, looking like Stevie Wonder, clapping like this. 
my sherry amor. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I will see it one day. That's why my windows are tinted between me and God. <laughs> but I'm doing that because why? Because I'm about to face a struggle. God's about to show me and take me somewhere where I know there's going to be scoffers. And I need to marvel at something. I need to marvel at what God is doing. Look, look at verse 41 again. Because you see, I look at this word, and in verse 41, he says, Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days. You see, even though I'm battling through this struggle, even though I'm fighting it, even though you're fighting it, God's accomplishing something in your days. Y'all, it looks like we're on the losing side every time you turn around, doesn't it? It looks like, man, can I get any sicker? Really? Man, can I be any broker? Really? Man, could I be any prettier than I am right now? Really? <laughs> Golly, it doesn't make sense for someone to look this good. <laughs> Careful. That's right. Don't be scoffing. Don't be scoffing. <laughs> attack after attack after attack after attack. And the frustrating part about it is, is sometimes you feel like you're the only one that sees the attack. Sometimes you don't see the attack. And people... See, scoffers are more than just saying there is no God, too. You know, they're, they're more than, they're like, oh, no, it's all in your head. That's not really happening to you. I know it's happening to me. I know it's happening to you. And if it's happening to me and it's happening to you, that means it's happening to the body of Christ. And what happens is, is we get into we, we desire as a body all of a sudden to be comfortable and be familiar and do things that make life a little bit easier and more routine. That's why you see our services kind of line up and just kind of start going a certain way. We're comfortable. I've, after a week of chaos, I get to come to church and have something that's going to be completely in order. And I can expect a song. Well, we, well you can expect Brother David to pray. You can expect Brother David to sweat. You can expect me to ask you to get an altar. You can expect me to sing a song. You can probably expect me to shout, can't you? Something, uh, there you go, something you can look forward to. Just to kind of ease the pain of the struggle. But I want you to look and take note of how Paul and Barnabas handled the struggle. Look at verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. There's a unique thing that just happened. Paul and Barnabas went into church and spoke something different that was out of routine. They spoke something um, that they'd never heard before. They had done all of these different things. 
And, and all of a sudden, these people felt alive because they heard the word of God. Whew, can you come back next Saturday and preach? Now, you know, that's a good preacher when he gets invited back, isn't it? That's a good preacher when he gets invited back, even when he says something that's going to sting. Y'all remember when I talked about y'all in August? Mike is like, yeah, I remember that because Mike told me. He said, you were speaking to me that day. And I talked about all your Facebook posts and all that other stuff. You see, my, I didn't know I was coming back. I just gave what God told me to give. Yeah, what, what you needed. I needed it too. I mean, I did. And, and so when, he, when they were going out, they preached this hard message. Sin, they preached a hard message. They told a bunch of Jews and other people and Gentiles and everyone, they told them, guess what? The law of Moses can't do what Jesus did. <gasps> Moses. You mean Jesus did something? Yes, he did. Tell me more. Tell me more. I like to hear this. Hey, where are you going? Don't go. Hey, can you come back and tell us more? Don't you know that was hard to stand in the synagogue and tell people that Jesus did more than Moses did? So Paul and Barnabas, in their own way, created their own struggle, didn't they? But it was for a purpose. Verse 43. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. No more law, now it's grace. What? No more ritual, now it's grace. What? No more, this is the way we've always done it. Now it's grace. <gasps> really? Yes. Yes. The next Sabbath, look at verse 44. Nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Wait a minute. Hold on. I preach Jesus, people show up. I preach ritual and routine, no one comes. Wow. The problem is going to be for those who like the ritual and the routine. It's kind of like, okay, I'm the pastor here, right? Am I the pastor still? Okay, I'm the pastor. I'm the pastor here. Yeah, I know it. That's what the special call meeting. Yeah, I know. You got to give me time to get my planes off my desk before you vote me out. And please keep my picture up. I mean, come on. You got, you know. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. It's like me saying, I'm preaching the gospel to you and I'm preaching the messages. And we've been doing our three songs and all of this stuff for two years now. And then all of a sudden, this guest preacher comes in. I'll use my buddy Jack. Jack comes in, 
and he's walking and he's spitting and he's hollering and he's screaming and he's saying Jesus cried and bored again and all this other stuff. He's letting you have it. And he's broken you out of your routine. And I see you stand up and shout and raise your hand. The Jews about to react like if I was to act, react like the Jews, it'd be an issue. Wait a minute. You ain't never stood up and shouted when I preached. You ain't never, you ain't ever done that. Hey, wait a minute. What you mean getting saved? Now, I've been preaching here for 13 years and you ain't never been saved. And why would you want to start now? Just because Jack came and preached. I'll make sure he hears this recording so he knows I called him out in service. Because, I see, verse 45 is explained. But the, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. You see, here's where our struggle starts begin, starts to, it, it's kicking in now. Paul and Barnabas are here preaching the word of God, preaching the truth, preaching salvation, preaching life, preaching love, preaching all of these great things that encompass God. But the Jews don't like it because everybody's listening. The Jews don't like it because everybody's following. This is the struggle. Understand this, y'all. You have struggles, but it's not because your back hurts. It's not because your heart hurts or your head hurts. or you, you, Your struggle is because, guess what? You've been called for a purpose. You've been called into the mission. And, and the enemy and anyone else who's against what God is preaching and teaching wants to do anything they can to stop it. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. They want to stop. And so they're going to cause the struggle. They're so your struggle, it is real. But you want to know why it's real? It's because, guess what? You're either working for God or God is calling you to him if you're lost. You get it? And so every stumbling block that can happen, everything that can happen, it's going to get in your way. It's going to cause you to stumble because when God has called you, the enemy doesn't want it. Whether, he, whether you're lost right now and he's calling you to him, or you're saved right now, and he's calling you to do a work. Your struggle is going to be real, and guess what? People are going to come out and oppose you. People are going to come out, and they're going to talk about you. People are going to come out, and they're going to pick on you. People are going to do that. But it's the spirit that's in them that's causing that. The young man that I got a chance to witness to several weeks ago, he came to my office Friday, another office meeting. He showed up at my office, and he came to talk to me about my computer because he's in the IT department. And when he got done, he kind of just stood there. He, he walked out real slow, and I said, hey, Will, stop. Come here. I said, how are you? He said, David, I'm sad. He said, I don't know why I'm sad. I said, Will, I'm going to tell you why you're sad. So you're struggling because you haven't answered the call of the one who's calling you. God has called you. 
And, your, and I, I, my exact words to him was what I called this sermon. I said, your struggle is real. Because you are being called by the God of heaven and earth for salvation. And you are pondering in your heart and in your mind what your co-workers are going to think. He said, you know, they're asking me now what's wrong with me because I've gotten so quiet. Why does something have to be wrong with him? Because God is calling him. You see, they won't see he's in he's in verse 41. He won't be able to explain it. Even, they, he, they won't be able to understand it even if he explains it. He's trying to understand it. I said, all the people that are your friends, they're not going to get you. They're not going to understand you anymore. They're not going to want to be part of what you're talking about. He said, I, he said, I just still can't understand why I'm so sad. When you submit and surrender to God, and this is my answer, when you submit and you surrender to God, it'll be clear as a bell. I said, then you're going to have to make some decisions. I said, the decision concerning your salvation has already been made. It's just up to you to respond to that decision. God is calling you and he's saving you. And he wants you saved. And I told him this. And I said, I pray God keeps you as miserable as you are until you submit to him. He looked at me. He said, you just, I said, yes, that's what I'm. I said, give me your hand. And he put his hand in mine. And we prayed. And he hugged me afterwards. Then he walked out. His struggle is real, y'all. And he's going to be faced with the Jews trying to tell him something different. The Jews are his co-workers, the person that sits next to him. The person that, that, that has been knowing him all his life and, knew and knows that he's a womanizer and knows that he's, he, you know, yeah, he has children out of wedlock and he has all of these things going on. But God doesn't care. God said, I'm saving you, Will. Come on. His struggle is real. How can you, who used to be this, now be that? And they won't be able to understand it even if he explains it. And so the Jews have come out against Paul and Barnabas. And they're, they, guess what? Because they were jealous. They're jealous because, guess what? They're not, the people are no longer like me. The people are no longer like them. And when they're not like them, they get jealous and say, hey, I want more of me. I don't want more. I don't want you to be more like God. I want you to behave more like me because I'm right. That's why we have all these different faiths, right? Baptists think they're right about God. Methodists think they're right about God. Catholics think they're right about God. Episcopalians think they're right about God. Lutherans think they're right about God. Presbyterians think they're right about God. Free will Baptists think they're right about God. Independent Baptists think they're right about God. Muslims think they're right about God. Jehovah's Witnesses think they're right about God. We can keep going. We can keep going. And we, we don't understand. 
that at the center of all of it, at the center of all of it, it's, it's God that's right. And we got to line up with him. And as the church and as this body of believers begins to line up with God, guess what? We're going to run into scoffers. We're going to run into people that are going to say, well, you, what do you mean? What do you mean you guys are going to church four or five nights a week? That's ridiculous. No, it ain't. It makes complete sense. Some of you I see five days a week. That's crazy, isn't it? You're only supposed to see him on Sunday, Brother David. No. Yeah, where's that written at? That's what I'm saying. How, what do you mean having church on Tuesday night? How, what? What? You're teaching what? What, I get it at work all the time. How many of you that come on Tuesday night when you say, hey, I got to go to church tonight? Well, it ain't Wednesday. How many of you get that response? Oh, it ain't Wednesday, it ain't Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, we're, we're having church on Sunday night. What? But Dairy Queen's open and it's summertime. We go get our blizzards on. No, no, we go to church. They're going to scoff and not understand. And they're going to cause you, hey, and guess what? When they can start planting seeds about what you should or shouldn't be doing for God, your struggle's going to begin. Amen. Look at this. Look at verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. Now after the Jew, look, the Jews started blaspheming and talking about Paul, but Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you repudiate it. Or in other words, you refuse to accept it or be associated with it. So God has taken away your excuse. I'm going to tell you first. Now look at this. And, and, it, and, it, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, you are, we are turning to the Gentiles. Verse 47. For the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. Guess what he did? Now, the Jews are still over here fighting with you about this, but he's placed you as a light in a dark, dark world. And when he's done that, the dark is always going to resist the light. It's always going to fight, but the light will always overcome. And, and, but it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a fight. So what did Paul and Barnabas do when the Jews started talking about him and blaspheming God? They stood even bolder for God which makes it even harder for you, doesn't it? Imagine being in your politically correct workplace and refusing to acknowledge Earth Day. There we go. You mean you don't want the Earth to be better? <laughs> Let me tell you something. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, all of this and its elements are going to be burned up. Now, that don't mean that I'm going to go and pour a gallon of gasoline down the Coosa River because my water comes from there. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm going to start poisoning the animals with antifreeze. But let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something real clear, okay? 
When you start standing up against stuff like that, y'all know today is Earth Day, right? Today is Earth Day. So everybody's supposed to go plant a tree and, and hug a weed and do whatever else we can do. And the ones that don't hug them, they're going to be smoking the weeds. I don't know what they're going to be doing. <laughs> y'all, y'all understand? Zoinks, fools. Understand this. It's hard for us to stand here and tell people, I'm not worried about this earth. I'm more concerned about your soul. Because, see, Jesus Christ didn't come and spill his blood for Mother Earth. He didn't come and take a strike for the oak tree. He didn't come and do any of that. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. And when that happened, everything else, everything else, is nothing. It's hogwash. Your struggle begins when you take that stand. Your struggle begins when you don't choose your political party and you get judged by it. By your own church members. Huh? Your struggle begins your struggle begins when you take a stand and put God above everything else, even your wife. But if I don't put God first, how can I love her? Huh? See, we don't get that. It's foolishness, isn't it? We don't get that. The love of God should be so overpowering in our lives that it causes us to respond in kind to those around us, doesn't it? But you see, that's our struggle. Your struggle is real. We talked about it in Sunday school. How hard is it to love so many different people because of their actions? Man, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's so difficult. But how did we say it in Sunday school? But if, if the love of God, if the love of God is in us, then that same love should be poured out to everyone else. That's a love that does what? That doesn't judge. It doesn't condemn. It doesn't do any of that. It just shows great grace at all times. There's your next struggle. Showing grace to those who may not be that lovable. But if you're deeming them unlovable, then aren't you judging them? Hmm? If you're deeming them, well, ain't no help for that one, aren't you judging them? So look at this in verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. The Gentiles heard that they didn't have to be a Jew to be saved, that God saved them. And made them a Jew by saving them. They didn't have to become something to get God's favor. God granted his grace on them, which made them favorable to him. You understand that? 
I didn't say understand this. I said, do you understand that? And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and leading leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Their struggle was real. They were lined up with God. They were lined up with God. And when they lined up with God, people said no. People, some people said yes, but, but, the, but the, the tradition, the tr- traditionalist, the legalist, the Pharisees, everyone said no. We won't have any of that holiness, any of that grace, any of that love junk taught in our synagogue we want our three songs and a sermon and then the buffet the way we've always had it and i double dog dare you to take it away from me i triple dog dare you now i'm not going to do this because i don't want to incite an uproar but what if i started church at three o'clock in the afternoon huh harump there you go Brother David, that's nap time. <laughs> yeah. But what if I, what if I, my read, but understand my reasoning. Understand my reasoning. Jesus hung on the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour. So what if I wanted to say, well, at three o'clock? That's when we should worship God. <gasps> oh. But if I'm doing it for the wrong motive, guys, it's still wrong, right? Even though there's biblical reasons behind it, that would still be wrong if I'm doing it because I'm putting a tradition to it. Why do we have church on Sunday? Anybody care to say why? Why do we have church on Sunday? It's a holy day. Well, well, well what day is the holy one, though? Well, but... But, but all of them are holy, right, exactly. It's like Miss May corrected my son a while ago when, he, when she was picking on him, and he said, well, this is the Lord's day. You need to leave me alone, Miss May. But if she came back with a zinger. She said, all of them are the Lord's day. I was like, praise God. Somebody heard the sermon. She zinged him. And he had to sit his 5-foot, 11-inch self down and not say another word. Thank you, Miss May. Appreciate it. Fight the power, right? Anyway, here we go. You understand? So let me tie this all together for you. How is our struggle real? Well, our struggle is real, first off, because we're fighting a spiritual war that we've already won, but just wants to hinder us. First point. Second point, our struggle is real because each and every one of us has something that's affecting us in our lives that's causing us to stumble or stall. Okay? That's the second point. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it all together so it makes sense because y'all looking at me like, Brother Dave, what are you trying to preach? Okay? What's the third? Th- why is our struggle real? Why, uh, your struggle is real also is because you're trying to serve God and you're still learning how to serve him. That's why you, you, okay, this is a picture of a service. This is the way it should look like. We even, we even tell our children and show our children pictures of 
clasped hands and bowed heads, you know, that this is a, well, what is that? That's a child praying. You know, you had um, what monks that, that when they came up with the pretzel, they, they, that shape is because of, it's showing a child praying. The shape of a pretzel, you know, the little thing with the cross, that's showing a child praying. And when monks made pretzels, they made it in that design because it, it identifies a prayer. Y'all didn't know that, did you? It got you an interesting tidbit. Made the whole sermon worth it now, didn't it? Now everybody's going to go home and research pretzels. Yeah, Brother David. And then here's Mike. Mike and, J- Mike and Kent going to get into Sunday school class and come out of Leviticus about pretzels or something. You know, they're going to find something. <laughs> and then, yeah, John Mark's going to be sitting there going, yeah, and I studied this. And he's going to have his big thesaurus out there and studying more about pretzels. And so y'all going to have a pretzel class. I don't know if I watched the same show. I read about it. But it is true, though. I understand this. So, so we're trying to find a form. We're trying to, our struggle is real because we're trying to find where we fit in this, in this God thing. And all along the way, little stumbling blocks are thrown in. Whether it's you want a good night's sleep, you don't want to come and hear the sermon today, or whether it's, Brother David just yells too much. I mean, y'all thought, the sound, is the mic better today, by the way? Because I know a lot of people thought I was real mad last week, and it wasn't me. It was the speakers that were hot. Okay. But, but y- you understand? We, we, we're, all, we're, we're trying to get that. And, okay, so we got those points. Then the next point is, guess what? People are going to want, your next, while your struggle is real, people are going to want to hear the truth, and you got to find a way to give it to them. And it, it may be at work. May, you know, it may be a coworker that comes and shows up at your office. You know, in the past few weeks, I've had two people be waiting for me at my office, y'all, to talk about Christ. That's the way I saw it. They didn't see it as that, but I saw it as the opportunity. I'm not puffing myself up or being boastful. An IT guy and a lawyer. Wow. Perfect. I mean, my son, he's in IT, but I can't stand them guys, man. I tell you what. Well, they talk to you like you're about this tall, right? When you go and ask them a question, look, I can't turn my computer on. <sighs> Move, let me show you. And it's like, no I, no, I don't need you to insult me. No, just get out of the way. And, you know, and they're pushing you by the head while they do this and do that with the keys and tap, tap, tap. And say, no, nah, see, it wasn't that easy. No, you did about 40 different things real fast. But then y- y- your next struggle is, here's my opportunity to preach the gospel. And how do I do that? So you, 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 there, there's your struggle, okay? And, well, the workplace frowns on speaking about God. How about God frowns on not speaking about him? But, Brother David, I'll lose everything, not your soul. What does it gain a whole man? What is it? What is it? What is it? What, what, wait, let me get the scripture right. Rewind that. Don't quote that. Uh, take that off the recording. Gain the whole world. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Satan showed Jesus the whole world, didn't he? All he asked was for worship. Think about it. So there's your next struggle. I might, uh, you know, and nobody can sue me because I tell you to go preach gospel at, gospel at work. Don't sue me. 
Because then I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where Christians don't sue each other. <laughs> anyway, understand this. I said that. Understand this. But I get it. Get it. Okay, that's your next struggle. That's what you, and then when you do finally start preaching the gospel, your next struggle is, here comes a flood of people saying, wait a minute. That's not the way I learned it. That's not the way I'm teaching it. And it's, uh, it's contrary to everything we should be doing. So guess what? Stop it and get out of my town. Then you go to verse 51. But they shook, the, shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went into Iconium. Okay. I'm not the increase giver. So you've had the seed planted. You've rejected it. Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet. Keep on walking. So your struggle is real. What you need to learn, and this is the, the moral of the sermon, is you need, to, you need to learn how to not let the sermon, sh the struggle, shut you down. The struggle never stopped Paul and Barnabas. Yet they struggled, and 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 they struggled. Okay, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Neither should you. Neither should you. You're hurting. My wife is hurting today, not feeling well. I said, why don't you stay home? She said, no. I frowned up my face and got in the car, and I was thinking in my mind, I don't want to hear nothing later when you're hurting. But you know what? She is 100% right for being here. She's 100. I'm not trying to give her any glory, but she's 100% right for being here. And she, guess who was her stumbling block? Who was trying to be? She could have easily just said, get thee behind me, Satan, Satan, and put it in drive and go to Sulphur Spring, please. And that's basically what I did. Is she hurting? Yeah. But what if she came here and brought someone a laugh, uh, a laugh or some joy? What if she came here and brought someone some encouragement? And I played a role in stopping that. We can't get so set in our ways. We can't get so, we, we, the struggle is real. But how do you go through the struggle? Keep preaching the gospel. Stand. Don't sit. Keep singing songs of praise. Get you some driving music. All the way down East Lake Boulevard. I mean, I'm bobbing my head. Not just because the roads are rough, but I got what a mighty God we serve playing. You know? I got just for me playing. I got, I got some, yeah, I got, I got some, I got some, some, some good, you know, children of God, third day playing. I'm like, yeah. I've been redeemed because we've been called children of God. And I'm, yeah, children of God, lift your voice and rejoice for the love that he's given us all. Ooh. And I'm, and I'm ready, and I walk in, I walk in, Charles, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a struggle. Even if, it's, even if it's me just leaving my badge in the car, and I'm singing my song, trying to get in there, ready to do battle. Oh, I forgot my badge. I got to go back. I get my badge, and now I got to sing again, and I sing again, and I go in. You got to do that. Your struggle is real. It is real. It's real. 